what's so cool about the Enneagram is it really gets to the core of who we are and why we think, feel, and behave in particular ways. And when you understand the why, you then can start to navigate your internal world back into a direction that is healthiest for the way you've been made. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Brit & Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. Okay, so the Enneagram. If you haven't heard of this funny word before, it is a type of personality test that has become very, very popular in today's world. You might have heard of the Myers-Briggs test or the color test. And let me tell you, I've taken all of those, but truly the Enneagram nailed me like no other test had. And I've used it in so many parts of my life. That's why I'm excited to have Beth McCord on today's episode. She's a leader in the Enneagram space with over 17 years of experience as a speaker, coach, and teacher. She's here to teach us how to unlock our Enneagram type and apply it to achieving our life goals. Yes, including all of those New Year's resolutions I know you have on your list. If you don't already know your Enneagram type, pause this episode and you can go find out for free right now at yourenneagramcoach.com. Now on to the show. Welcome, Beth. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So I know the Enneagram might be new to some folks in our audience. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me the history behind it and how you first got interested in it? Yeah, well, I mean, the history itself is a little confusing. And a lot of it, I mean, we're talking like thousands of years past that have used the symbol of the Enneagram, which is a looks like a nine-pointed star, have been used a long time ago. So there's quite a long history, and yet it's super not clear all the time. But the modern day expression of the Enneagram really kind of came out of like the 60s and 70s into America, where it was really combined with kind of personality and psychology. It really kind of stayed underground, so to speak, and people just kind of used it amongst each other that were learning, but they didn't just spread it for everyone because it's such a powerful tool. They didn't want it to get diluted, right? Mm. And so they really used it amongst themselves, but then over time, it became more and more known because there's so much transformation that happens. People can't help but share it with other people. And then... I started actually learning about the Enneagram in 2001, so many moons ago. And what I found is a lot of people that have my same personality type, which I'm the type nine, the peaceful mediator, we really like, really like this system. And one of the reasons is we see through the lens of all nine types very easily. We can get in other people's shoes. We're empathetic. We're receptive, non-judgmental, And so it's really fun for us to be like, oh, yeah, I totally get that person or this person. And it helps us to create harmony and connections with other more easily. But the other reason why I dove into it, and a lot of nines do, is that we have an internal fog. Now, we may understand other people well, but that doesn't mean we understand ourselves well, our desires, our passions, our likes. And if you were to ask me like what, what I thought or what I wanted, I would have a hard time describing it. 
And finally, I had a resource that explained it clearly. So I tell people it's like having a fog and you finally had something that could clear away that fog a lot easier. And so I had vocabulary to describe my inner world to myself and to others. And it really started to transform our marriage. Uh, We were married with two kids by the age of 25. So you can understand there was a lot of bumpy roads, but this really helped us to understand one another and where we were coming from. But then uh, my husband is a pastor and we started using it in the church um, and seeing other people grow individually and in their relationships. And then people wanted us to start teaching. And it just kind of snowballed from there until in 2016, I started Your Enneagram Coach. And now we bring people from Discover, Explore, Become, where they start discovering their type and exploring their type through courses. And then they can become a certified Enneagram coach and then do that with others. So we have about a thousand um, coaches around the world, 20 plus countries. um, And we're just loving watching transformation happen. And that's what's so cool about the Enneagram is it really gets to the core of who we are and why we think, feel, and behave in particular ways And when you understand the why, you then can start to navigate your internal world back into a direction that is most healthiest for the way you've been made. Mm, I love that. And I'm I'm fascinated by the integration with the church too, by the way, because I think it's so practical for anyone to use this in any country, in any place in the world, any faith. But I know it could be extra useful even for career-based coaching, probably for faith-based coaching, for marriages. (laughs) uh, My husband and I are definitely not the same Enneagram and we've had to do some work on that. So I love that aspect of it too. How is the Enneagram test different from other types of personality tests? I've taken the Myers-Briggs test and the color test and, you know, there's just so many out there. Right. When it comes to Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, DISC, um, all of those, they're great. Those are really helpful resources and they're showing different things, right? But think of the Enneagram as being a foundation to a home where the Enneagram is letting you know why. And that word why is the biggest word in the Enneagram, why you think, feel and behave in particular ways. And you're doing these things based off your core motivations. Each Enneagram type has four core motivations. That is literally the driving force on why you think, feel, and behave. So we have a core fear. This is the thing that you're running away from or trying to prevent. And then you have a core desire, what you're trying to always obtain or accomplish. You have a core weakness. Other teachers call it the passion or the deadly sin. I like to call it the core weakness because it's that thorn in our side, our Achilles heel that keeps tripping us up mm. all the time. And then we have a core longing. This is the message your heart longs mm. to hear. And you're trying to get it through career, relationships, food, addictions. It could be all sorts of things that we're trying to get our heart settled on this message. Um, and yet we're still striving for it. Now, those core motivations, again, is why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways. But we all have different core motivations, each of the nine types. And when you can understand where someone is coming from, it can totally change the trajectory of how you see them and how you interact with them. Meaning, Mm -hmm. if someone's coming from a totally different perspective, initially, you might have been frustrated or hurt or angry with them, like, can't believe they did that again, you know, or how could they think that way? Don't they know it's this way? You know, we do Mm -hmm. that all the time. But when you understand Enneagram types, you can step back, pause and think through 
how they might be seeing the same circumstance. So think of each Enneagram type as having a different colored sunglasses. So I'm a type nine, and let's say I wear purple glasses, and my husband wears orange. Well, now when we have a disagreement, I can, if I'm willing and humble, (laughs) take a step back and pause and think, okay, well, where is he coming from? What what angle is he seeing the same circumstance? And it's just like if we're in the same room and you're on the other side of the room and I'm right next to a piece of paper on the floor and I'm like, don't you see this piece of paper? And you're like, what piece of paper? Because you can't mm-hmm. see it. We have to understand each other's perspectives. And the Enneagram gives us that understanding and then compassion, empathy, grace, mercy, and hopefully forgiveness and love on a much deeper and richer level. And what's really cool is it's not only just that we give that to others, but we give it to ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. We can be our worst critics, right? Uh, totally. And in fact, <laughs> I remember reading my Enneagram and maybe I should just tell you, I'm a three. Okay, great. Which is the achiever, um, which literally no one in my life was surprised by in my Enneagram result. And as I read it, I was just like laughing because, you know, I'm sure we'll go through all of the Enneagram numbers, but it's like my fear is not being perfect and not like doing everything correctly and like getting in trouble and, you know, all of that. Um, And it really did help me feel so self-aware in situations where I knew I was feeling anxious about the perfectionist tendency I had inside of me, whether that was at work, whether it was my perfectionism of trying to be a good mom or a good wife or a great creative. And um, I'm like, it's okay though. I'm a three. Like, it's sort of like, it's okay. I'll just put it out there. I'm a three. That's why I'm doing this right now. And so it not only creates self-awareness, but also like the goal is to create harmony with others, to your point. You're seeing everyone's different colors, And you're sort of changing the way you speak and interact with them so that you're all moving in the same direction. Exactly. Is that an accurate way to say it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I tell people, think of the Enneagram as being an internal GPS. Once you find your current location or your main type, then you can learn and grow and see what your healthiest destination is, which is great because... So much of the world and social media tells you you should be like this person and that person and this personality and that personality. It's like, no, what is your personality? What is your healthiest path? But not only that, what derails you? What gets you off your path? What if this tool allowed you to see, yes, as a type nine, which is me, when I'm struggling, I am going to veer off course and fall into similar common pitfalls time and time again. Mm -hmm. What if I saw that as a resource, as a help? Meaning, what if I put rumble strips inside, like on the highway, that wake you up and Mm -hmm. alert you when you're going off course? What if you saw that, oh, I'm starting to accommodate to everyone. I'm starting to lose my voice as a type nine. That means I am going in an unhealthy direction for my type. Now, I can either beat myself up and shame myself, but really what that looks like is me taking the wheel and literally plummeting me into the ditch, right? When we Mm. shame ourselves and condemn ourselves, it's not like all of a sudden we're healthy, right? No, we. it actually makes us worse. Mm -hmm. So what if this tool alerted us and we started to have compassion for ourselves? We understood that we really want the best, but things get us off track. We have these core motivations. We have these fears and desires that either are being met or not being met. And what if we had that rumble strip to say, hey, something's going on. Do I need to ask for help? Do I need to read something? Do I need to pray? Do I need, what do I need to do right now to get myself 
gently back into the healthiest path. Instead of jerking the wheel back into the road or jerking the wheel back into the ditch, how can I gently guide myself into a healthier direction? And the Enneagram is going to clearly show you what it looks like to be healthy for your type and what it's like to not be healthy. And that can be hard because it is a non-judgmental friend. It is going to tell you like it is. So you just got to be ready for that. But if you cannot focus just on the negative, but focus on the positive, the hope, where you were created to be, to thrive and to bless others, that's where the real power of the Enneagram can be. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Totally. And to your point too, there's pros and cons to all nine of these types. And I feel like maybe we should go through them. If you can just give us a quick anecdote of each of the numbers, then maybe everyone listening, if you haven't taken your test or even if you have, um, can start really relating to who they are. Yeah. So we're going to go through this really quick. And so kind of buckle up, get ready. Um, So the type one is the moral perfectionist. The type one's fear being bad, evil, corruptible, and wrong. They desire to be good, balanced, ethical, and right. But they struggle with the core weakness of resentment. And resentment means that they they can clearly see where there's mistakes. The inner critic, they have a loud inner critic, like a megaphone at their ear. And it's berating them all the time with all the imperfections of the world. And it will not stop. So they feel resentment that doesn't anyone else see this? Like, am I the only adult here that is making things good and right? And so resentment can come up. But they long to hear, their core longing is to hear you are good. Now, the mm. type two is a supportive advisor. And they fear being... um not having worth, value, to not be loved or wanted or appreciated, to be dispensable, and definitely the fear of being rejected. Now, they desire to be loved, wanted, and appreciated, but they can struggle with the core weakness of pride. Now, pride for the two means that they see everyone else's needs and emotions and negate their own. And they're just trying to move confidently in other people's lives and show them, hey, I'm going to help you. Whether someone wants it or not, here they come. Uh, Because they long to be uh, 
appreciated, to have others be grateful for them. Because to them, that means, oh, I'm loved. So Mm. what they long to hear truly is you are loved for simply being you. You don't have to help and nurture everyone. Just for you, I love you unconditionally. And And sorry, just to pause you there really quickly. Can we all be multiple types or we have like one type? Good question. We have um, our main type and then we have wings and wings are the two numbers on either side of your main type. And the wings flavor your personality. Think of it like your your main type is a steak and you're going to season it with salt and pepper. The, when you season it in a healthy way, it's going to be, it's going to draw out the best of who you are with extra mm. elements Ooh. from those other types. I but, love the salt and pepper right. an, an analogy. I'm So I'm a three, but as you were talking about the two, I was like, I long to be appreciated. Am yeah. I actually a two? But I, yeah. that's my wing, right? It could be your wing. Exactly. And so now we can use our wings in an unhealthy way. So think about if we overseason, you know, a steak, it's like, ugh, you know, so we have to recognize that's why the Enneagram is helpful. Am I using my wings in a way that is enhancing what I can offer from my main type? Or am I in an unhealthy space or a struggling space and I'm using it in a not so good way? So yes. And then when you look at the symbol that looks like a nine pointed star and each type is connected to two other types through lines, kind of like if you saw a star. And you move to the healthy and the unhealthy attributes of both the numbers you're connected to. Now, remember, you only stay your main type, those core motivations of the main type, but you take on the attributes of some of these other numbers to give you clues and indications of if you're healthy and growing in health or if you're struggling. So that's in a Mm. nutshell of how we do actually have other types that do play a part of um, our whole makeup. But yes, you have one main type that remains the same. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. So the type three is the successful achiever. Now, the successful achiever, they fear being exposed, failing, uh, incompetent, inefficient. Uh, They desire to be um, worthwhile, to have worth, to be valuable, to achieve, to accomplish, and to have an image that people truly admire and to have high status and high regard. Now, what you had said earlier, and I'm going to get into the other part, but what you had said earlier about perfectionism, I just want people to realize, even though the type one is the moral perfectionist, all nine types can be perfectionist. It's what they're perfecting that's different. Again, the why. Mm. So the type three would be perfecting their image, perfecting their accomplishments, their goals, making sure everything is done well and efficiently. So kind of like an external of perfectionist, like I care what other people think. Exactly. It's more of an image thing that you still might want to be good and to do good. There is a subtype of three that looks very one-ish, but the type one doesn't ultimately really care what other people think. They care what their inner critic says is good and right the morals, Mm. the ethics, the procedures. Um, And so that's where the three and the one can be very different because the three, like you said, it's about what others think and their image, whereas the one, it's about the inner critic. So I just kind of wanted to clarify that for people to kind of hear Yeah. And I think like how much of this is nature versus nurture? Because I have done a little bit of therapy and I know that like my parents rewarded me for straight A's and I got money for scoring goals in soccer. And so is my perfectionism and achiever Enneagram 3-ness embedded in my DNA? Yeah, it's kind of a both. But what 
and different teachers have different opinions, but I would say most teachers believe that you are born with your personality. So think about you as a little baby wearing type three glasses. And so everything that you saw and experienced was from the perspective of a three child. And so when your parents rewarded you, you're like, this is amazing. And so you continued on that trajectory to get more accolades and awards or stars or praise. And it fed that. Mm. But if you grew up in a home that didn't have that, a type three could have said, I didn't grow up with that. And so I was always trying to get it from my coaches or my teachers. Or, mm. And so what you'll find is trauma or how you grew up doesn't create your type. It reveals your type. I see. Yeah. So okay. that's where it gets a little bit more helpful. So now the three's core weakness is deceit. Now, deceit here means that they're deceiving themselves into believing that they're only the image they present to others. And so they're wanting to put on a polished persona with whatever group they're with. So they'll shapeshift to become the most admired and high status and high regard with whoever they're with. Um, And they really excel. But what they long to hear is you are loved for simply being you. You don't Mm. have to accomplish anymore. Just you. Your love I'm working on that in therapy right now. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> this is all right? ringing so true. Yeah, totally. yeah. And um, so then the type four is the romantic individualist and they fear being uh, emotionally cut off, plain, mundane, ordinary. They want and desire to be different, special, and their most authentic self. Now they struggle with the core weakness of envy. And envy means that they... They feel like there's something defective and flawed inside of them and that others possess qualities that they lack. So think of it as like a puzzle, you know, when we do puzzles during Christmas time or whatever, um, and you get to that last couple pieces and they're missing and you're like, are you serious? Like now it's ruined. And that's what a four feels like inside, that there's something defective and missing. But when they look at everyone else, they're like, but everyone else's life is full and complete. So they want to bring outside of themselves something beautiful, something creative, something different that others will appreciate and admire. But what they long to hear is that you are seen and loved for exactly who you are, special and unique. Which is similar to the three. Yeah. You're seen and loved for who you are. So the three, the two, the three, and the four are kind of similar. The two has to do with you are loved unconditionally. You don't have to nurture, support, and care for others. The three, mm-hmm. it's you are loved for simply being you. You don't have to achieve or accomplish or have high status. And the four, it's you are actually seen and understood because they feel very misunderstood mm-hmm. in their life. You're seen and understood for who you really are mm-hmm. and that people love you for that. So it's similar. And many fours are artists or creative types if you Can were be, to yes, very extrapolate. Much so. And again, all types can be creative or artists. They're going to do it from their own bent. But yes, fours like what they do is they bring depth of emotion and creativity and beauty that a lot of us would not venture into on our own. And so they bring Mm -hmm. us into a whole nother depth that we can really appreciate. So our type fives are the investigative thinkers. Now they fear being incompetent, incapable, unknowledgeable, ignorant, and depleted internally. Mm -hmm. So they desire to be knowledgeable, insightful, and to just be capable. So they struggle with the core weakness of avarice. Now avarice usually means greedy with money. It's different here in the Enneagram. What it means here is that they feel that they're going to experience catastrophic depletion inside if they interact with others too much. So 
What I help people to understand is think about the five as a cell phone. You plugged it in all night, you wake up and you're like, I hope it's 100%, but it's like 20 to 25%. So the five only has about 20 to 25% interactive battery all day. So they have Mm -hmm. to ration out this energy level that they have when they're with others. And so if someone intrudes on them or surprises them or puts obligations on them that they weren't aware of, it's going to deplete them all the faster. So it's kind of like someone taking your phone and streaming Netflix. It's like, (laughs) hold on. I only have so much battery life. You go use your own phone. (laughs) Welcome to life with my children, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so fives need a lot of time to process their thoughts and feelings alone. And that's where they recharge. And they want a lot of knowledge to feel confident that they can move forward. Now, uh, they long to hear that your needs are not a problem. Uh, For them, they feel like their needs are big boulders. And if they ask someone for help, it's going to be detrimental to others. So they try to keep it to themselves and minimize those needs. Now, our type six is the loyal guardian, and they fear being without support, guidance, and security. And that's what they want is security, guidance, and support. And they struggle with the core weakness of anxiety. Now, anxiety, all types can be anxious, but for them, remember we talked about the type one having a loud inner critic? Mm -hmm. Well, the sixes have a loud inner committee. So it's a lot of voices chiming in from different directions and perspectives like, well, did you think about this? And then another one might say, well, what about that? Well, this could happen and that could happen. And did you plan for that? And what about this? And then all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know what to, to do. What decision should I make? So they look outside themselves for security guidance and support and a belief system or person that they can trust. They long to hear you are safe and secure. Now, our type sevens are the entertaining optimist. And Mm. they fear being emotionally or having to deal with emotions to be bored, uh, to be limited, restricted, and missing out. So the true FOMOs of the world. (laughs) Now, they desire to be happy, satisfied, and fully content. Now, for them, their core weakness is gluttony. And gluttony here Mm. means that they want to fill themselves up with stimulation and fun and exciting things. They're always thinking of the next best thing. But think of them as having a bucket inside that they're trying to fill to feel that satisfaction, but there's holes in it. So even though they're doing all this fun stuff, they're not getting uh, fulfilled. Mm. But what they long to hear is you will be taken care of. Our type eights are the protective challengers. They fear being controlled, manipulated, harmed, vulnerable, and left at the mercy of injustice. And they desire to protect themselves and those in their inner circle. But they struggle with the core weakness of lust or excess. Mm. So for them, they're going to push themselves willfully on others in life to get what they need. Now, they get misunderstood quite a bit. And so I like to tell people they're not bulldozers, they're snowplows. So think of those big (laughs) diesel snowplows in the Midwest and the North. If you have a foot of snow, you need these guys, right? Yep. But we need them to put the cars behind them, not in front of them or (laughs) beside them. Right. So aides can get very tunnel visioned and just plow that path. But they're at their healthiest when they see others around them and say, I've got you, get behind me. I've, you know, I'm going to plow this for you. Mm. They're phenomenal at that. But they long to hear you will not be betrayed. And last but not least is my type, the peaceful mediator type nine. And we fear that being in conflict, tension of any kind, being shut out, overlooked, and in any kind of discord. We desire peace, harmony, and inner stability. But we struggle with the core weakness of sloth. And this isn't a physical laziness, though we are those type of people that love our cozy comforts. (laughs) It's that we don't know ourselves. 
we go along to get along. We see others as more important than ourselves. So we negate ourselves and forget ourselves. We're slothful internally. Mm. And so what we long to hear is your presence matters. And that's the nine types. Wow, that's fascinating. I'm also just like very amused that you have that memorized so well. (laughs) Just so everyone knows, like we didn't re-edit this part. She just spewed all of that information out. And um, my wing, I do remember one of my other wings was a seven. So I think it's sort of, for me, the seven, from what I remember, is like this zeal for life and like ideas. And, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. So it's just like, I'm filling my bucket with ideas and plans and people and there's no mountain too high. Um, Yes, yes. But to your point, (laughs) there's a lot of downside. That well, well. And with the Enneagram, so just to let people know there's so many layers to it. It can be a very complex system, but it's really fun and intriguing to learn. So the wings are the two numbers on either side of you, but there is something called the tri-type. And this goes into a lot more things that we don't have time for. But the tri-type shows that you have three types. One is your main type, and there's two other in what are called the triads. So the seven would actually be one oh, of that's your... that's my tri-type, not yes. my wing. Okay, yeah. got it, got but it. The, But that seven is a a very important part of who you are. And then one of the other types, the eight, nines, and ones are in the other triad. One of those probably plays a pretty dominant role in you as well. Yeah, it's the eight. Okay. (laughs) So I'm the snowplow, not the bulldozer. (laughs) Well, and that's what I was going to say is, so the three, seven, and eight are the most assertive types. And if you have all three of them together, you are a go-getter. But two of them are optimistic and two of them are going to get it done, you know? Mm. And so does that kind of ring true for you? It definitely rings true. And so my husband is a four, the Uh um, artist, romantic, I I forgot what you named it, but the problem, and my next question is on how to use this for relationship compatibility, is that I'm the go-getter, go get it done. Let's go now. Let's be perfect. And he's like, you know, maybe let's take our time and think on it and it'll happen in the moment. Let's create it. I'm misunderstood. I don't know. Yes, you know, it's like, yes. And it's so frustrating. Um, yes. So can people use this for romantic relationships? Absolutely. And But here's the first and foremost thing that people need to hear. There are no two types that are the best together. And there are no two types that <laughs> are the worst together. Unless yes. you're at three and then your type is the best, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, but in all seriousness, people come up to me all the time and they want to know, like, well, who should I look for? I'm this type. And I'm very honest. Every type, when they're at their healthiest, any t- couple type combination is amazing. Any couple type combination that has one or both the spouses that are not healthy, it's going to be destructive. And it doesn't matter what type it is. And destructive is, looks different. If you have two type nines together, the destructive, what that looks like is they both won't show up in life. They will become almost stoic, catatonic. And yeah, they're not going to be fighting like two types might but they're going to miss each other. They're going to miss life as a whole and they're going to just drift apart. So it doesn't matter what two types are together. You just have to be on your path of growth and transformation. So yes, we have actually 45 courses for all 45 couple types. Oh, there's 45 combinations, I see. There's 45 combinations, yeah. And what we teach is the dance. And the dance is how two Enneagram types interact. And it's a infinity loop. And you start with, let's say, you're the type three, okay? And you're on one side of the loop, and he's on the other side as the type four. 
And if you look at the bottom left-hand corner of the infinity loop on the left-hand side, which would be you, you're going to get activated because you're thinking, okay, I have the plans for the weekend. The kids, you know, need to be here, there, and everywhere. And I've got it all planned out. And this is going to be amazing. And I've got it organized. And I'm going to tell, what's your husband's name? Dave. I'm going to tell Dave the plan. And it's going to be awesome. And he's going to be so proud of me. And I'm going to be like a winner of moms. And at the bottom part of the infinity loop is our heart condition. So it's kind of like if you put a line in the middle horizontally, underneath that line is our heart condition. Things that we can't sometimes see and others definitely don't know. So your heart condition is that I want to be the best. I am ready to go. I want him to be proud of me. And then what comes up towards the top part of your infinity loop is your action. And your action is that you've planned it, that you're going to tell him what to do. And I'm not saying it necessarily, you're going to tell him like in a negative way, could be like, hey, here's the plan, like, let's go. Mm -hmm. Well, that could land on a type four in a certain way. So now you go down to the other part of the infinity loop at the end and his heart condition. So his core motivations are going to be activated, whether positively or negatively. And when his core motivations are activated, let's say he feels like you are telling him how to feel, telling him what to do, that it's a very um, straightforward plan. There's no uniqueness, no creativity, no depth of like, let's think of how we can do this relationally together as a family and what can we do that's different. He might be feeling like that's kind of plain and boring and just ordinary. It's so efficient that it's just kind of stale. Now, let's just say that's how he's feeling. Now, outwardly, he might feel like he wants to withdraw or he wants to pull you into the emotional world and he wants to create a more unique plan that's different than everyone else. Well, that's going to land on you like he's not appreciating me. He's exposing <laughs> my plan. This is also real right now. I, I just can't handle this. I'm like, are you in our therapy session right Seriously, now? Seriously, right? And we've never met before, right? <laughs> We've never met. Totally. Never met before. And so it's going to mess with your core motivations. And you're going to be like, dude, I developed this amazing plan. Why are you not appreciating it? Like, how can you not see that this is awesome? And then you're going to feel devalued. He's not admiring me. Like, what's going on? And so then you might become more insistent. And what a three will do is they'll push their feelings and their identity aside to accomplish. So at this moment, you might push your feelings aside because, wait a second, this has to happen this weekend. And I have come up with the most effective and efficient way. Why isn't he getting on the plan? And then he might feel misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you connecting with him with your emotions? You know, why are your emotions now pushed to the side for the sake mm -hmm. of getting things accomplished? And so around and around this dance can go when we're not taking the time to fully see and understand one another. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to accommodate to everyone all the time, but if we can put on their lens, right, take off our lens for a second and put on their lens, we can have the compassion and the empathy and start to ask questions like, hey, I have this really awesome, efficient plan and I want you to be so proud of me. But I also know that sometimes when I tell you my plans, it can hit you in a way that you feel misunderstood or you haven't been seen or we haven't explored the way that you might do it. So can I lay out my plan and you be excited for me? And just being honest, right? We have to be honest. It's hard. Yeah. I want you to be excited for the plan that I had, but then I'll hand it off in here how you can make it different and unique and how we can come together in this. Mm. And he would be like, oh my gosh, like, yes, I want to support you. I want to cheer you on, but I'm so glad that you see my side as well. And that's where the dance can change and it can become a more healthy dynamic. And that can be with 
your parents, it could be with your coworkers, it could be with your own kids, you know, whoever. And yes, the Enneagram can be extremely powerful in relationships, but we have to start with ourselves first. It's exactly what you said. We literally had this conversation recently, which was that we're redecorating part of our house and I decided to take on the bulk of the work for, you know, obvious reasons. And I started making all these plans and buying furniture and I spent maybe like a hundred hours working on the design plans. I have like Canva templates. I've laid it all out. I've done the budgets, like everything. Yeah. And he was like so upset with me that he didn't get to participate. He didn't get to weigh in. I had thought I had asked him to weigh in, but I don't think I had done it emotionally enough. And so he just went on the attack. And I was like, hello, a hundred plus hours of work. Like, where's my gold star? You know, right. and um, yes. we literally, you know, had to stop. And and we use this phrase, gold stars. Yes. Which is that he has to give me a gold star before we get into the conversation. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then I, it cues me to like bring up my emotion. Right. Because I can often be really apathetic towards him. So yeah, exactly what you said. Yeah, that's just so beautiful. And it totally makes sense to me because fours have amazing aesthetics and design and creativity, but it's going to be very different and unique. And that doesn't necessarily flow well with the three <laughs> unless they tap into their four wing. Um, and so it could be even where um, a three might be like, I'm afraid to offer him say. Because what if he wants to take us in a direction that I'm like, that's really different. Like I, you know, and totally. Then, you know what I mean? And so, and it's just not efficient. I'm like, but we have to do it now. Like we have to order the furniture by this weekend, you know, like, right. and he wants to sit on it and think about it and like research more things. And I'm just like, no. Yes. So, exactly. Anyway, nailed it. I love it. So just switching gears to, you know, New Year's resolutions, habits, goals. This is on the mind of everyone listening right now. Yes. How can one use their Enneagram type to actually unlock and achieve their goals this year? Well, first and foremost, we have to recognize that we have hardwiring messages inside each of us that actually are false and derail us from these goals. And we don't even necessarily recognize them as false messages because they feel so real that we have to recognize what can sabotage because we all get into the new year like I'm going to set these awesome goals and then it's like a month in two months in it's like we're not doing it now for the threes that's not true (laughs) you guys are very different and ones are very different we have a lot of goals yeah a lot of goals we achieve all of our goals we never know it's true like (laughs) a three is not going to set a goal unless they're going to achieve it Mm -hmm. like they're just not like I will not put it on the list unless I achieve it but that doesn't mean that there still aren't those false messages that derail you in different ways so um but yeah so each type is going to set goals for different reasons so the type one is going to set goals that bring reform making things better for themselves and the world. The type two is going to set goals of how can I best see people, connect with people, nurture people, support people. The type three is going to set goals to accomplish and be efficient and to be capable and to really better everything around them, to make things shine and to be radiant. The type four is going to set goals that really bring more depth, more beauty, more connection with their emotions and other people's emotions so that it's not superficial, but everything has real meaning to it. 
The type five is going to set goals where they're going to be able to absorb a lot of really good data and information and then have a path where they're going to bring a whole new sense, a whole new way of seeing things that others probably wouldn't have thought of because they can bring so much insight. The type six is going to set goals that are going to be very supportive of others, very committed, loyal, faithful, but also that's going to benefit them in their own security and sense of safety. The type sevens are going to create goals that are fun, exuberant, exciting, different in like a positive way. Um, and they want everyone to join in. <laughs> the type eights are going to set goals. I mean, they are, like I said, the snowplow. They are going to set goals and they're going to go for it and just don't get in their way. <laughs> yep. Otherwise, you'll probably either feel it or hear it. No, but when they're <laughs> healthy, they're going to set goals that really plow a path for others. And they're phenomenal at justice and seeing who the underdog is and supporting them. And the type nine is really going to set goals that really bring everyone together, that glue, that peace, that harmony, that everyone feels special, everyone feels heard, and that we can do it all collectively. So those are going to be kind of the foundation to the goals, kind of the why behind their goals. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's not every single goal, but that's going to be kind of the undertone. And we want to maximize that. But then we want to also see what are the false messages that can derail you from achieving these really good goals that you yourself can bring to the world. And that's where the Enneagram can be really helpful and just kind of seeing what derails people. Mm, so each type has a thing that might derail them as well. And is exactly. that why most goals become unattainable or they, yeah. they drop off by February, you know, for their exactly. New Year's resolution? So like for the nine, for me as a peaceful mediator, let's say I set a goal to run every day and I'm going to start to, let's say, lose weight and get healthy and all that kind of good stuff. Well, as soon as it impedes on my family's schedules or desires, I'm going to fail. Because it's like, oh, well, they don't really want me to do it or it's impeding on their schedule or I want to make everyone happy. And, and so then all of a sudden I let go. I forego my goals because I want to make everyone happy. And you can see how that's a detriment. That's the sloth of the nine, the not seeing my own goals, my own passions, my own desires and sticking with them and doing it in a way that is obviously a blending with other people because that's what I would want to do. But why can't I stick with my goals? Well, it's because mm. I'm afraid of conflict. I'm, I'm afraid of discord. So I'd rather just get rid of it and just be at peace with people. Mm. And so I need to recognize that part of me and honor it, but also stick with what needs to happen. Now, some goals we have to revamp. Some, some goals are unrealistic for seasons of life and that's fine. But we have to understand, am I doing this for unhealthy reasons or is there a good reason for me to change the goal or to do it differently? And I would say that for a three, I'm guessing, I would derail from my goal if I thought I wasn't doing it well mm -hmm. or I wasn't capable enough. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a three, one of the biggest fears is being exposed as a failure. So if you've set a goal and you know you can't accomplish it or to the level that you desire or feel like you should, you might set that goal aside, maybe come back to it, maybe not. Because then others are going to see that you didn't accomplish it. But a growth path for the three would be genuineness, authenticity, vulnerability of, yeah, you know what? This is a goal. That's a good goal. But on this side of heaven, I may not achieve it because it's pretty hard to obtain, but that's okay. I'm okay. And I can still work on it, even though I know I'm never going to be as successful as I'd hope to be. And that is vulnerability for a three. 
Well, let me just tell you, a couple of years ago, I was coming up with my New Year's resolutions and, you know, they were always so big and almost even hard to track if I achieved them. Maybe uh-huh. this is the three of me coming out. So I decided to do this thing called give it a week where I chose a new resolution every week. So for seven days, I practiced this thing or I learned a thing or I tried a thing and I did 52 of them. I did it the whole year. And I, I to keep myself accountable, put it all on Instagram, vulnerability. Yes. And I did not succeed at all of them. And it was so scary and hard and weird to do that publicly. It was like the, ugh, the hardest three thing ever. Yes. But I have never had such engagement and communication authenticity with all of these followers and friends I have online as when I did Give It a Week. And in fact, it inspired thousands of women to start doing it themselves, doing it with me. They participated in my challenges, which really fueled me up to keep going. And um, maybe it's also the three (laughs) (laughs) because that happened, Um, whether or not I failed. And so Mm -hmm. it broke down that wall for me of perfectionism, but also made these goals really achievable for me in just seven days for the most part. That's like a perfect example of growth for a three, you know, and that's a perfect example of growth for any of us because all of growth is hard and it's uncomfortable and we want to get away from it. You know, it's like it kind of hits, bumps up against our core fear and it, it feels like we can't get our core desire and then our core weakness pops in and it's like, oh my gosh, like, let's just call it a day, you know? And so, but that's what, we need to realize is we need to look at those moments that we did the growth and we experienced it. And on the other side, we find a sense of peace and joy and freedom and excitement that we've never experienced before. And it's like a real truth, like a real accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to look at. We need to go, oh yeah. So like for me as a type nine, the constant theme in my mind is my presence doesn't matter. My voice doesn't matter. And so my husband, I would push him into the being the one that would do Enneagram like teachings like 10 years ago because, oh, they don't want to listen to me. You're the pastor. Like they want to hear you. Mm. And then they started going to him more. And I'm like, I'm the one that knows the Enneagram. I'm like, why is everyone <laughs> overlooking me? And it's like, oh, right. Because I overlook myself. Mm. And I had to learn I need to speak my voice. I need to step up. I need to be confident. So moving towards the healthy part of three, that's where I'm connected with three and to show the confidence. And when I did, it's totally blessed others by developing your Enneagram coach. We have, you know, people around the world that are following what we have to do. And that's not the comfortable space for me, but the growth that I've experienced and the seeing the people transform is the biggest delight of my life. Mm -hmm. So I just encourage people to recognize When you're really growing, when you're really transforming, it's going to feel really uncomfortable and also simultaneously the most amazing thing. (laughs) 100% agree. Well, Beth, this has been amazing. You know, we usually like to share a homework assignment each week that our listeners can try based on the learning of the episode. So once our listeners know their Enneagram type, what's the next step in applying those learnings to their life? Yeah, well, there's several things that, you know, we can offer we have exploring you. And that's a course, once you know your type, where I'm going to break down your personality in these bite-sized lessons so you can learn, stretch, and grow without being overwhelmed. Of course, we certify people that want to become Enneagram coaches. Um, and then Instagram and our podcast are other great free resources for people to learn. But they might want to come to your Enneagram uh, coach.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the free assessment and start there. Love it. And I would maybe add on to that, that ask 
your friends and family what their Enneagram is so that you can start better relating to those around you. That could be a good next step as well. Beth, if our listeners want to find you and what you're up to, what's the name of your podcast and where can we find you on Instagram? Yeah, our podcast is Your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. And on Instagram, it's at Your Enneagram Coach. Love it. So easy. All right. Well, that is our show for today. Thank you to Beth McCord, founder of Your Enneagram Coach, for joining us. And if you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, send it to a friend so they'll be in the know too. Thank you, Beth. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media. I'm at Brit or follow us at Brit and Co. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Allie Ives and Allie Perry with additional production and sound design by Mark Lemmerjazy and Aaron Peterson. 